Welcome to Hope Community Church's Sermon of the Week. It's our prayer that this message will encourage and equip you to love like Jesus. To learn more about Hope, visit us at hccalive.com. Now enjoy the message. Well, good morning to everybody. Thank you. Um, I want to wish you all a happy new year to all those of you that are here in the sanctuary, those of you that are listening online, and those that will listen later on on the radio. I trust that New Year's festivities and a whole day of football haven't left you too weary to hear a message today. And so uh, before we get into this message, however, I'd like to offer a prayer over the message. Heavenly Father, as we move into another new year, I ask that you bless each one of us here in this church, online, and who will listen to us later. I pray that the lows of last year can be left behind and forgiveness and mercy will fill that space. I pray that this year brings new blessings upon us. I pray that this message would strike a chord with all here and that the words would be yours, Lord, and not mine. I pray that this year will be prosperous and fulfilling and I pray that we realize all that you are capable of, Lord, as we grow to know you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before I came up here, I had resolved to do two things this year. The first was not to be as nervous about giving a message the few times I get to do it. That one's out the window already. <laughs> the second was that I was going to uh, try to just use notes and not the actual transcript of my message. That's out the window already as well. And I assume, like many of you, you've made New Year's resolutions this year already. And if you haven't, you plan on doing so. If you're one of those who said that you're not going to bite your nails or you're not going to use profanity, I hope that uh, Mason Crosby isn't lining up for that game-winning field goal later today because that one could also go out the window. Now, I know many of you remember the David Letterman show, and he had a top ten list. And I know that some of you also are wondering about what resolutions other people make. And so if you'd humor me for just a minute, I'd like you to imagine that you're a live studio audience, and you're now at the Hope Show with Bo. (laughs) So here, oh, thank you. I wasn't expecting the applause. So... Ladies and gentlemen, tonight's top 10 list are the top 10 New Year's resolutions made in 2021 and every other year, I'd imagine. Number 10, read more. Number 9, travel more. Number 8, spend more time with family and friends. Number 7, quit smoking. Number 6, Save more or at least spend less. Shar, I hope you're listening. Number five, (laughs) live life to the fullest. Number four, learn a new skill or hobby. Number three, get organized. That's mine. Uh, Number two, lose weight. And then number one, resolution is exercise more. I imagine many of you, like me, have made some or all these resolutions at some point in your lives, and many of you like me, and I won't ask you to raise your hand and embarrass yourselves. I've uh, sort of cornered the market on embarrassing moments already. So uh, I want you to know that you're not alone when you don't bring your resolution to a notable conclusion. 
Statistics tell us that 77% of people who make a New Year's resolution, it's out the window within the first week. Another statistic that I found, which isn't very encouraging for me, says that those people who are 50 or older actually bring their resolution to a conclusion 14% of the time. And those who are in their 20s, you Gen Zers, Millennials, or whatever they're calling you, I might have to cut you some slack here because you outdo my generation in this regard, and 39% of the time, you achieve your New Year's resolutions. Now, I'm not the sharpest tool in the box, but these aren't numbers that we can be particularly proud of. I think we'd all agree. How about we put it in for some perspective? What if 14% of you over 50 only had a chance of going to heaven? What if 30% of you in your 20s, or 39% of you in your 20s, only had a chance of going to heaven? Wouldn't these numbers take on a whole new meaning and a whole new importance? I think they would. So how can we increase the percentages and the likelihood that we keep our New Year's resolutions? What if, and I'm just spitballing here, what if we made resolutions that really impacted our lives? I'm sure getting some exercise might stave off heart disease. And I'm sure quitting smoking might help us with our lung problems. But do they really affect our eternity? You know, over the last year, we've tried to really get the message across to this church that we're supposed to love like Jesus. And that's a great and noble New Year's resolution. But I challenge you in this new year to not only love like Jesus, but to live like Jesus as well. If you haven't made a New Year's resolution, or even you have, how about you scrap that old one and you put this one in instead? I propose that you love and live like Jesus this year. Today I'm here to give you a few practical applications so how you can actually do this. So what does it mean to live like Jesus? Since changing our behavior doesn't earn his love, we should respond to his great love becoming, by becoming more like him through our actions, our motives, our thoughts, and our affections. That would be our first application. Become more like him in our actions, motives, thoughts, and affections. I'd like to spend just a moment here on the word motives from this application because for me it was the most confusing. Motives are defined as a reason for doing something, especially those that are hidden or not obvious. I want you to ask yourself for just a moment. What are your motives your reasons for being a Christian? I know that's a pretty profound question, and it takes more than just a few seconds here to you know, come up with a, a great answer for that, but I want you to try to do that. In just a few seconds here, think of your motive, your reason for being a Christian. Hopefully everybody has something. I imagine some of you said something in your mind or along the lines of, I want to spend eternity in heaven. And again, that's a great motive. That's a, a very noble motive. But if we're trying to be more like Jesus, I don't believe that Jesus would have answered that question like that. Because Jesus knew his place in heaven was secure. 
So in this new year, if we want to be more like Jesus, our motives have to be like Jesus's as well. And so we're going to have to mesh our motives with his and actually explore what Jesus's motives are. That would be a whole sermon in itself, so I'm going to leave that up to you to explore what Jesus's motives are. You know, if you're like me back in the day, and even to some degree today, the faith that I proclaim is often at odds with how I sometimes carry myself. I believe in and want to be like Jesus, but often I don't portray this to others. Does this sound like anybody you know? Does this sound perhaps like you? Well, why do you suppose this is? It's really quite simple. It's because we are all sinners. In Romans 3.9 it says, Well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. This passage then goes on to paint a not-so-rosy picture of who we are as sinners. In verse 10 it goes on to say, As the scriptures say, No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise, no one is seeking God. All have turned away, all have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. And lastly, in verse 23, it states the obvious. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. How's that for a slap in the face, huh? Now, I don't believe that Paul is accusing everybody of his day of committing each of these personally. I see it more as a comprehensive list of the sins that Paul saw in the environment in which he was in. But it sure is a convincing list of our sinful nature as human beings. I just want to mention the sin of murder that's mentioned here because it really stood out to me. We all know that thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit murder from the Ten Commandments. And I believe that we all have an aversion to this sin, this crime. But you know that the Apostle Paul in 1 John 3.15 equated hating another person to the sin of murder? Think about that for just a moment. Hating someone is just like the sin of murder. If you said I would never commit murder, but you have hatred in your heart for another person, you might need to rethink this. John and Paul reminded us that we need to forgive and leave the judging and vengeance to God. Maybe in this new year, we need to forgive someone who we harbor resentment for. Just a thought that came to mind when I read that passage. Now getting back to Romans. Don't be discouraged by Paul's message because the passage goes on to say that because of Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven and we're redeemed. So take some consolation in that and remember that only God is perfect. But we can strive to be like him and that's the essence of this resolution. In Romans 12 too, God tells us the key to living like Jesus. Through the Apostle Paul he says, 
and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Paul is saying, don't let the world shape you according to its mold, but let God remake you to be like Jesus. Here it is. Listen. The way to transformed living. It's not a secret. God hasn't made it complicated. It's fairly simple, but unfortunately it's not easy. So let's take a closer look at Paul's words. When he says, do not be conformed, he's saying that we are the receivers of the conforming work, not the doers of this work. In other words, he's telling us, as I mentioned before, don't let yourself be squeezed into the mold of the world. Next, when Paul says, but be transformed, again, he means we're not the ones being, doing the transforming work. He's doing the transforming work in us. Much like the potter molding clay in Isaiah 64.8 when it said, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. This then would be our next application. We need to be open to not being conformed to the world, but transformed by God. Now for the important part, the how. How do we stop the world's conforming influence in favor of God's transforming influence? Well, lucky for us, at the end of Romans 12, too, it tells us. The answer is, by the renewing of our minds. Now you're probably saying, okay, Bo, that's great, renewing our minds. But how do we renew our minds? And that's the question I'll answer for you over the next few minutes. The easiest way that I can put it is like this. Learn to think like Jesus. Let me repeat that. Learn to think like Jesus. The short answer reminds us that even Jesus didn't live like Jesus just by trying hard. Instead, he lived in perfect obedience to God. His mind was perfectly aligned with the mind and will of his Father. For us humans, this is difficult because we Women and men tend to think the way we want and not the way that Jesus wants. You've all heard the expression mind over matter, I would assume. And that's essentially what we're talking about here. You have to want to be more like Jesus to be more like Jesus. You have to want to be obedient to God to be obedient to God. You have to want to be like Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength to be like Jesus. It's only in this way that we can do what he thinks and not what we think. This was true of Jesus, so it must be true of us who are created in a like image. This is why Paul went on to say, after the words, be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may approve what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, Living like Jesus means approving of what God approves of. Wanting what God wants, calling good what God calls good, acceptable what God calls acceptable, and perfect what God calls perfect. But we can only do these things when we learn to think like Jesus. Because remember, we as human beings tend to think what we want and not what he wants. Those of you that knew me when I was younger, and really not that many years ago, 
would say that I have been transformed by God. I've had my mind renewed. I've been reborn, if you will. Honestly, this isn't by accident. God had this plan for me a long time ago. It's taken some work on my part. And the greatest of the work that I've had to um, work on is allowing God into my heart. Allowing the Holy Spirit to convict me to a change in a lifestyle that I can now celebrate. I truly am a work in progress, however. And I can help my spiritual growth in the process by being steadfast in the thing that God calls me to do. Pastor Jed, Pastor Jesse have spoken recently about some of those things. Praying, reading the Bible, giving generously, just to mention a few. Sure, I try to read the Bible every day, but sometimes I get off track. The biggest part of my transformation, though, is in my prayer life. I pray every day, but I never just sit in silence and listen for what the Lord wants for me. I never sit in silence and let the Lord guide me for what he wants. So I'm here to tell you that we're all a work in progress, that we can grow and mature in the Lord so that the transformation we each seek is the same as what the Lord wants for us. So this can be complete. A moment ago, I alluded to where we can go to learn to think like Jesus. The answer, of course, is in his word, the Bible. The Bible is a wonderful blueprint for each of us on how we can not only love, but live and think like Jesus. One of the blueprints that I would like to share with you is in Colossians 3. There's many other ones, but this is the one I chose for today. In Colossians 3.1 it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Hopefully this is self-explanatory, but if it's not, think of it this way. Do not seek worldly things. Seek the things that are above, the things that the Lord wants you to seek. Materialism, money, those aren't the things that the Lord wants you to seek. The Lord wants you to seek him. Colossians, thankfully, goes on to give a long list of the ways that we can set our minds on things that are above. Some that were oppressed upon me were in verses 5, 8, and 9. So let's look at those quickly. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetedness, which is idolatry. Verse 8. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. And finally, verse 9, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Now, many of you, like me, might not even know what all of these sins are, slander, malice, for example. But I assume that you realize if they're mentioned here and they're part of your life, that's not what God wants for you, and it should be a concern for each of us. Did you notice what it says at the end of verse 9, however? Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. This implies that the ball's in our court. It's on us. That we have to make a conscious effort to change who we are. To put off our old self. Thank goodness, like every good blueprint, 
the plan is clearly laid out for us in verse 10. And it says, And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Let's take a quick, closer look at this passage because it's the key to thinking like Jesus. It says, We must set aside the old self of worldly, sinful behaviors and put on the new self. The believer is a new creation and should therefore live differently. Paul adds that the new self is constantly refreshed through the knowledge of the one who created it, Jesus Christ. Knowledge which comes from Christ is noted throughout Colossians as an important part of Christian life. Christ's knowledge only comes through reading, studying, and meditating on the word. This would then be another application. Get into his word. Just as Christ is the image of the invisible God, believers are being remade into the likeness of Jesus Christ. The believer is a new person, increasingly designed to grow more like Christ, the one who created us. Did you catch that? The believer is a new person to be more like Christ. We were created for this very purpose. All we have to do is accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, and that transformation that we talked about begins. For some, the transformation began a long time ago. For some, it's brand new. For some of you here today, possibly, you're still determining whether or not you believe at all. Hopefully this one little hint that I'm about to give you can help those of you who are in this last category. We were created to be more like Christ. You know, if you're one of those struggling with your beliefs or perhaps you don't know God at all, or still further, you want to give your life to Christ today, you can do this. And we have a congregation of powerful prayers who want to help you do this as well. So if you're one of those people, together with this congregation, you might want to say a prayer something like this. Heavenly Father, I confess that I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ, your son, died on the cross for my sins, rose again on the third day, and now sits at the right hand of God the Father as my advocate. I pray, Lord, for your guidance and protection as I travel the path to spiritual growth and maturity. If you prayed something like this, and you'd like to speak with somebody regarding your next steps, I or one of our staff would be happy to meet with you. Before I conclude, let's quickly review the applications to not just love, but to live like Jesus. Become more like him in our actions, motives, thoughts, and affections. Motives was the key here. We have to mesh our motives with his. Put a stop to the world's conforming influence in favor of God's transforming influence. Have our minds renewed by Christ by learning to think like Christ. Do not seek worldly things. And of course, all of these come together by us getting into his word. By using these applications, you can not only love like Jesus, but you can live like Jesus as well. And maybe, just maybe, you won't have to make other New Year's resolutions. You only have to make just this one. And we can increase the percentages that we keep our New Year's resolutions. In closing, I'd like to share a quick story about a person I know who has certainly taken this idea of living like Jesus to heart. 
This person works in an environment in which she has many, many opportunities in a day to profess her faith and share her testimony with others. Jesus, as we know, was the Prince of Peace and the Wonderful Counselor. This woman embodies these qualities and shares them with every person she comes in contact in her day. We might have that very same opportunity as she does. Much like Jesus, she comforts and brings peace to their otherwise turbulent lives. She is the most compassionate woman I know, and without knowing it, she embodies what it means to love and live like Jesus. And I'm very proud to say that she is my wife. May we all humbly be more like her and more like Jesus in our daily lives. May we share the gospel and our testimonies as she does. With that said, apologize for the emotions. I'm a very proud husband. I'd ask that we take just a moment as a church family to pray for the 36 members of Hope students that will be heading off to districts this Friday for a faith-filled and fun-filled weekend. Lord, we praise you for this opportunity for our Hope students to come together with 3,500 other like-minded students who have a desire to know the Lord. We pray that all will go well and that their growth in the Lord will be encouraged. We pray that you convict their hearts to come to you, Lord. I'd also like to pray for this Hope family as we go forward in this new year and strive to be more like you, Lord. May you enhance our lives and our desire to know you more and build a relationship with you. And may we learn to love and live like Jesus. We ask that you would convict our hearts of all here how they might serve Hope Community Church and the greater community at large as we believe, Lord, that you have called us to serve. We pray this in your holy and precious name. And the church said, Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Previous messages of our Acts series can be found at hccalive.com. If you would like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give at hccalive.com as well. Don't forget to subscribe and may we continue to love like Jesus.